Hi guys, thank you for joining us here today. So we have Becky, who's the head of merchandise for Sky TV. Welcome, thank you for coming. Um, and then we have Carlos, who is uh, supporting us in hosting this. So he's a senior product designer for Feature Park, uh, joining us all the way from China. And we have Marcelo from um, also Sky, and you are the head of experimentation. Hello, guys. Thank you. Amazing. And then obviously we have myself and Emily. Um, so Emily, do you want to start off with um, asking Becky some questions? Because this is kind of meant to be a female tech leadership thing. Fabulous. Yeah, certainly. Um, so I guess we, at the beginning of the cloud podcast, we want to talk a bit about your backgrounds and, and sort of how you came to be in the position that you are today. And um, what's like, what's your, your, your main driver for getting like, what's your main motivation, would you say, of the course of your career so far? Oh, okay. Great question. That was not on the prep list. I'm sometimes sorry I'm sometimes terrible at sticking to the list but you know it just came across that's good that's good that's very good actually so your question what uh what's been my main driver as I've landed my way here through the my career so I think my main driver and what I'd encourage other people to do is to follow your nose follow what you're interested in um I uh, early in life, I found that I've got a, a, a mild obsession with problem solving. So numbers, um, maths, any kind of physics, science and things were something I was really interested in. So it followed that through uni and then um, ended up working for Tesco in their supply chain optimization team. So that was around optimizing the supply chain to improve availability for customers. And that's when I found my love for customers. So that was really around putting yourself in their shoes, working out what's important to them, um, using data to identify where you're missing opportunities to help them, um, and then driving change. So you know, running trials to improve availability, um, working with store managers, and then cross-functionally, um, and very quickly learned I love working with people and solving problems for the customer. I'm not, I'm, I wasn't so good at the getting in the back room, doing all the coding. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not as diligent as my, my current team are in that, that detail space. Like I really love the, the, the thinking, working with people. Um, and then, and then ended up going to consulting for a bit. So I decided to take a bit of a career break and move to Sydney. Uh, my husband and I wanted to be by the sea for a year. So we thought, why not? Let's take a year out. Um, Amazing. Doing Aussie barbecue, and met one of my favourite leaders, uh, a man called Alistair Pearson, who heads up uh, analytics consulting in PwC Sydney. Um, worked for him for about five or six years, um, and would probably still be there now if I didn't have kids. So, um, absolutely loved that. That was solving solving problems for businesses to help them focus on customer needs and op operational efficiency, but using data. Um, and then moved back to the UK, joined, joined Sky, um, and since then have been in strategic insights, if I can say it. So they're kind of the centralised function that looks at how to make those kind of big decisions using data, focusing on customers, and then moved across to the product hub. So took a secondment um, to cover someone's maternity leave, which is a great opportunity in Sky, so they're really good at that sort of thing. 
covered that for a year where that was around the team capability is product effectiveness so putting data at the heart of product decisions so that was for their kind of tv products so things like the the interface on like sky q so any of their kind of tv um, aggregation platforms using data to prioritize what's important to customers building features helping products um, leads make the right decisions so it's not based on gut um, and then at the end of that secondment, I moved over to digital. So came across and now head up merchandising in the digital team. So I look after how to execute campaigns across our website and our app. So that, that's mm. heavy data rotated, but also looks at the customer experience and making real time decisions. I absolutely love that. That's so cool. And um, you're in a really good field there with data, to be honest, because it seems like a lot of you, the roles you've done are heavily data driven and uh, lot, so many businesses, I think every business today is data driven, isn't it? So it falls into everything. And I think that that's, that's super awesome that you're, that's, your, that's kind of where your passion lies and solving problems and people problems as well, I guess, you know, customer problems. <laughs> but but I, would, I would say I, I didn't, I never planned to end here. And I, I don't mm. plan to end here, in fact, like I, you know, I think it's about following what interests you and looking for opportunities and not, not being scared about that. Um, That's very good. Yeah. What about Marcella? Do you want to give a like, an introduction or what you do? Sure. Uh, I got here out of spite, to be honest. Has uh, <laughs> been I'm the driver of my whole career. I'm a, I'm a bit more of a self-centered person compared to Becky. So uh, I always try to... Uh, challenge myself i always think like you know what is seen as a very hard or very impossible in my field in my company and uh, just try to drive it and make it happen just to demonstrate that we can do it you know 20 years ago when i first moved to london uh, i couldn't really speak much english and then now i'm leading a team in sky so it's uh, everything is possible really that's fantastic Excellent. yeah i love that I, I gotta say, Marcelo, I see a Gundam in your background, right? I like that background. Uh, there's a few, actually. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I, I yeah. looked at your background as well. I was like, hmm. <laughs> well, well done, well done. Yeah. <laughs> see, we, we understand here, we understand. Very good. Yeah, I, I like both of the approaches from Becky and Marcelo. So I'm, I'm excited, but Emily, you, you start question, then I will jump in. But I, I'm already like with some extra questions. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, let's do it. I just got excited. Tell <laughs> us a little bit about you. No, I don't think you can hear us properly. Hear. Ca Carlos, um, if you tell us a bit about you, but you guys already know about me, no? Yeah, but the, the other people in our call don't. <laughs> but no, no, okay, today, today I'm a host, so just like a brief one. I'm actually from Costa Rica. But I moved to China seven years ago. I've been developing my career towards design, but I'm a computer science and also MBA. So I work with Specify, text-to-speech app, number one in the app store. And yeah, that's like a just a brief introduction about myself because I don't want to give, I want to give all the spotlight to the guests today. <laughs> Special guests. Lovely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I suppose... 
what my next question kind of leads on from the first um what would you say that you've identified as your superpower over the years um i guess is is there another valid question should I, should I start yeah go for it go. um i would say my superpower the thing i enjoy the most is problem solving so yeah um i have a tendency to overthink because i love problem solving um so you know think about situation implications how it might impact other people um so I, I love uh, kind of program managing and thinking about the interconnections and, and what the impact of the customer might be or the different personas. Um, but I have to say, I, I'm learning that actually it's a superpower, but also a bit of a Achilles heel. So mm -hmm. it can, um, problem, problem solving, you need to learn when, when to and when to not problem solve um, and to give space to, to others to, to step up or, or own the area um yeah so it's it's around not being while i love problem solving you don't have to always be right and you can make space for others to to chime in with their views or opinions or or um test things for you so if you've got an idea maybe don't just implement it maybe i, I give marcello a call and uh, he can help me stress test the the ideas that we might have for, for changing things up 100% I really get that like um sort of in like an AB testing scenario it's always best to it's always there's no harm in testing things or trying things a different way because you might find that another way that you do it is highly more effective for your team and and less stressful so I'm 100% behind testing I, I've been doing a lot recently on our website <laughs> um Christine do you want to do you have a question you want to ask? Yes, go, go, go. So one of the things that we discussed was obviously not being afraid to bring other people in or like experts to help broaden your perspective. Do you want to give examples of what made you suggest that? Because that's very specific. Um, is that around why, why bring other other people in? Well, yeah. Like, did you have like an example of when somebody didn't? Or do you mean in terms of that people are don't want to kind of, I don't know, they have like their egos to get to almost bring in other experts to understand that there is a better way to do it but they care about politics too much yeah i think um i think when you're working with really curious ambitious people um you, you can find yourself in a situation where you're solving for more than you're supposed to or people mm -hmm. feel responsible for solving for more than they're meant to and actually it's about identifying strengths within others that you can bring in and collaborate with so i'm you know i'm new i'm new to my role in digital merchandising i i would love to for example um build out our um, measurement capacity so you know how do we measure what we're doing effectively um and it's it's kind of it's it's my default to think that i, I need to think about all those things myself but actually i should just tag in someone that's um got the that, like that's part of their day job within digital so you know tag in our performance team or if i want to think about how to redefine our strategy tag in the strategy team rather than um feeling that you have to do it all yourself but also it's about getting other people's perspectives because you um you can accidentally design things based on just your experience which is very very easy to do when you're running 100 miles an hour and just trusting your gut 
um but uh for example like a, a, a book that i've been reading on you probably i'm sure you've read it the invisible women book the the exposing the um the data bias in how people just are like typically designed for for men um caroline i love that because you know things like the seat belts in cars the safety mechanisms in cars are all designed for the average man now i'm not saying they should be designed for the average woman as well they should be designed for um thinking about all body sizes and weights because at the moment they're designed for a certain weight which means that actually they're really not very safe for people that are underweight mm. for example or um I, I find that really fascinating so it's, it can be super easy to accidentally not think about um other people's differences or cultures or or backgrounds or strengths I have another question. Uh, last time we also spoke about certain challenges that people can come across when they have big leadership teams. What challenges did you come across as obviously leading a department and uh, what kind of things they came across that you didn't expect that you had to deal with? Sorry, can you, can you say that again? What kind of challenges you came across when you had started leading a department? Because we talked oh. about maybe like leaving the job at the door and then um in term in terms of just joining a new area do you mean that yeah just like in terms of running the team at sky because you said you kind of mentioned maybe sometimes you might find yourself in a position where you might be running a team and it's not necessarily have a certain type of representation of like equal amount of like guys and like girls oh uh, would like, you yeah 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 um so actually, I think I'm super lucky that I have quite a good balanced team um, in terms of gender, at least, but perhaps not from other diversity perspectives. Um, so we at the moment, we're actually growing our team. So not my team, but our broader digital team. So it's about making sure that through our recruitment process, we consider diverse backgrounds. So, you know, we, we make sure we don't... Um, we make sure we screen appropriately, make sure we consider biases we have in interview situations. Um, make sure that we just bring other people in on problem solving in the day to day. So, you know, if, if we're, for example, Marcello and I have been doing a lot of work recently to bring our two teams together. So I look after merchandising, Marcello looks after uh, experimentation. So his guys are awesome at having a, a finger on the pulse on all the different moving bits within the website and what people are thinking about from a strategic direction um, and my team are very focused on the trading side so actually bringing us all together so that we've got a, a mixed background but then also tagging in like we've got a design team and having their perspective in the room they're you know Marcello and I are very analytical and bringing in someone from a, a more of a like a purist creative perspective is also really helpful yeah that's super cool so you, you sort of um you're trying to promote that that collaboration between all of your teams essentially so you know sort of saying that it's it's probably impossible if you owned a company it's probably impossible to do everything on your own and it's not sustainable for a long period of time so essentially that's what you're trying to do you're bringing people together from all your different teams and promoting you know like ensuring that people feel confident to do that sort of thing i guess um which is super awesome because every company needs that i think at the moment you know every company is sort of promoting mental well well-being and things and people want to be happy 
that's just the be all and end all, I guess. <laughs> uh, are you are you happy, Emily? Are you happy? Oh, I am so happy. Um, awesome to hear. I'm literally over the moon. I, I, I'm not even yeah, exaggerating. Yeah. Like I've, I started a that's new job. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah, I started a new job in like a month ago, and um, as the head of customer success and operations, and the company is just just great. Um, we're about seven people, um, and we basically um, are like a climate positive tech company that plant trees. Um, for businesses and individuals around the country and internationally. So I can't, I'm living my best life, to be honest. <laughs> I, just, I just have a quick question for Becky before we move to Marcelo. So Becky, you, you're very data-driven in, and I, I like your process of solving um, issues, but do you have an example where you were trying to solve a problem. You have data, but you went with your gut, and it was successful. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So I have that question for you, for for Marcelo, and for Becky, because I also also like to use data and so on. But in some cases, I went with my gut, and I'm like, wow, okay, I made it. So I would like to hear from your perspective and and, and everything that is going around you guys. One yeah. one example. Sure. Um, so I have an example, but I can't prove that it was the right or the wrong thing. So I'm not sure if that's helpful, but I will share it. Anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is. So um, we recently launched a new proposition in Sky. So we launched Sky Stream, which is our new way to get Sky TV without a dish. So you can get okay. it on your Wi-Fi. It's super exciting for us. We can tap into new headrooms so you don't use a satellite dish on the side of your house. You can get it in a flat. Like it's really exciting for the business. Um, and our, our marketing team came up with a new video to promote this. Now, um, the video was made for TV. And um, at the last minute before the campaign went live, there was a request to put it on the website. Now, I was a bit concerned because it interrupts the CX of our journeys on site. Um, and we put it on as a test to see if it did interrupt the journeys, how, you know, how do people interact with it? Did it increase? Because in theory, it should increase comprehension. But actually, because it's framed for an awareness campaign, maybe it's not quite on point for how we'd like it to be. But um, right. th there wasn't any data to suggest it would be good or bad. So we put it on site as a test, as an, as an A-B test. Yeah. We measured it to see, did it actually drive increased awareness? Did it? inhibit conversion um how did it interrupt the cx flow and what we found was it was very difficult to untangle oh sorry carlson's just joining in again no don't worry um continue <laughs> um it was very difficult to untangle because the people that mm -hmm. interacted with the video um might be actually a different subset to the people that don't interact with the video right so you're we put a new button on the website that said, hey, come and watch our video. You're naturally self-selecting a very specific cohort, like people that want to click and watch the video. Mm. So actually, it, it, it's very difficult to untangle. Did people that click the video have a more a high likelihood to buy or were they inherently already more likely to buy before they clicked the button? Um, so it, it's... Um, we, we went with our gut on it. It was something that was important strategically. Um, it hasn't inhibited 
conversion, but I'm not sure I can categorically say it has improved conversion, but it was important strategically. So, yeah, that's a really interesting. That's a really Very interesting nice. case study. Case study. There, again. What about you, Mar Marcelo? One example from your side. Well, you know, if I had an example, I'd be a very terrible experimenter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, all of my, all the processes I put in place, our prioritization, everything we do is about uh, allowing people's gut feeling to surface, but still enforcing mm -hmm. a request to, okay, let's dig deep into it. Because, you know, mm -hmm. gut feeling is based on what, uh, half a million year of evolution, so you should always listen to it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a big difference between um, a hunch and uh, something that comes from uh, previous experience. And uh, to understand that, you just need to ask, okay, talk me through it, explain it to me, make me understand. Mm -hmm. If it's from previous experience, people will find the words, will be able to tell you why they think it's a great idea. And that also help us to understand what type of data we need to demonstrate is a great idea. Well, if it's a hunch, they're just like, well, I just think it's going to work. So, well, then you're not going to test it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's> simple <laughs> as that. Amazing. Very good, very good. Uh, you Are you going? for Marcella? She had like a whole list of things that you wanted to ask. Me? No, yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry, Carlos. Go, go, go. Emily's sorry. too excited today. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, we've never done it with three hosts, and usually it's just between us two. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no. So, okay, for Marcelo, how will you measure the success of an experiment? Well, it really depends on what you're trying to test on, because you usually look at your primary metric is what you use to look at your significance rate to understand how significant is your experiment, how much has move the needle. But then, of course, yeah. you still need to keep an eye on the main KPIs. So what, what is it? How do you change what's at the bottom line? So you cannot forget that part of the journey. Uh, the way I always yeah. explain to the team is imagine if you have a compass and your test results are not an okay. absolute yes or no. It's uh, I always try to move away from that type of mentality. It's more like this is the safe direction. This is not a safe direction. And based on how safe or non-safe is, you can either iterate or completely change course. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's how I try to put it forward for my team. It allows us then to uh, be a lot more open and a lot more uh, inquisitive as well about the results. We'll start looking at, you know, this is the number that tells us if this test worked, but what else happened? What else is there that we should look at? Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I like that approach, but it's because it's like, we build on top of it rather than the have of something static. Very good. Emily, all yours. The stage is all yours. Lovely. Okay, cool. I think I'm going to steer back to some sort uh, some diversity-related questions, if that's all right, maybe with uh, Becky. Is that all right? Sure. Um, so I, I'd love to hear what your perspective is for what do you think is, like, the, the biggest challenge that women, like, people in women in STEM or women in tech sort of deal with um, in the industry. I know for a fact on my on my floor in this building, there's loads of, it's full of founders and there's literally like three women uh, amongst like a, a large group of male founders. Um, and that's just a very simplistic, just like my eye, like 
my perspective example but you catch what I'm trying to say it's kind of a hard market yeah yeah um so I I will then talk from my perspective if that's okay I'll try and avoid generalizing um yeah but from what I have experienced myself um and it's very it's very inspiring when you see diversity at more senior levels um yeah. so when you can see how someone approaches a situation as a female leader i find that super inspiring so i guess a, a challenge i see um not currently actually in where i sit in sky because we've got a great leadership team they're actually pretty balanced and our, our management director is female um yeah. but in, in past organizations i've been in it's quite male dominated um mm. uh, i'm going to be honest i'm now experiencing it's really difficult when you've got kids really difficult um yeah unless one of you has time to be the the main kind of person that picks the kids up or drops them off at home if you're trying yeah. to have between two full-time working parents it's actually really tough um i only have kids in lockdown oh gosh so i i didn't know any of this before lockdown i was like oh i i, I assume it must be easy had kids mm. working from home then suddenly having to come to the office three days a week it's really tough like having to do nursery drop off at say eight and then driving yeah. nine and then you can't park because all the other people that don't have kids they're early and taking up places um yeah so for me it's just, it's silly things that until you have those challenges yourself you don't quite appreciate um, yeah but i think i've been reading quite a bit around the kind of the fear shame dynamic of you guys i don't know if you guys have talked about that at all in any of your podcasts i i'm not too sure have we christine talk, talk about what? oh no don't worry i don't think we have I've, i know it's okay i can talk to it um so there's something i was reading recently about the fear shame dynamic but um over generalizing but typically the what can hinder women is a is a fear so whether mm. that is um illogical or whether it's um real um that that's like what drives whether we do or don't choose to do things and that's amplified by estrogen so like we, we naturally have a tendency to run away from fear so we, we hate isolation um we much prefer to be collaborative like that that gets to our core whereas men with more testosterone um mm-hmm. tend to override their fear with with a a, a stronger adversity to shame so if okay. if something um threatens the kind of the possible status or success that will drive them to mm-hmm. do something um so i was really like psychology psychology they had a great article about it about saying that actually men are more likely to go for something that's a bit scary because they're more worried about not getting the status or failing by not doing something whereas women are a bit more well i'm going to sit in my box because I'm, I'm just scared and I'm, I'm comfortable where i am and i'm not isolated um so i just i find that really fascinating wow that- that is incredibly interesting but just a side note i don't know where um i'm where my estrogen is because um i'm pretty much not scared of anything i do wild stuff all the time awesome awesome <laughs> lol i know that, that 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 wasn't appropriate but i just thought it was good to add. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and i don't think you can quite put people in boxes um but the way that yeah. uh, people like to because it, it, it 
to make sense of your world that helps to put people in boxes otherwise we'd be anxious mm -hmm. all the time but actually that doesn't it's not always true for everyone yeah definitely and i suppose following on from that question then um how would you how what's your advice for people who are trying to get over that fear of maybe moving jobs or moving yeah. careers um that sort of thing yeah um, i think first it would be around identifying what makes you happy so mm -hmm. what is it that leaves you buzzing after a day in the office is there something that the skill that you love doing or working with like what is it that you love and are you getting it now yeah if you're not getting it now where like how how do you find that um the other thing i find helpful is is um trying to make the fear real so what is it that's that's causing the fear mm. and is there anything you can do to to fix it so the when i talk about the illogical fear that's the what if fear but mm. i don't know if you're like me it can snowball so you go well i'm not sure i want to do this because i'm worried that might happen and then that might happen and then actually i've lost my job and i don't have a house and suddenly you're in a world where it's all really bit dramatic yeah but for example doing doing this podcast found it a bit terrifying but the worst yeah. is people listen to it and think I'm a bit of an idiot. That's okay. <laughs> Don't worry, we do it every time. We do it every time we record. <laughs> <laughs> but Karen, no, anyone's gonna think that you're an idiot. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. <laughs> I think that every time. So don't worry. Genuine, it like it, it made me fearful. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do it. But it's, it's um, checking yourself and thinking, what's the worst that can happen? And also, what's the goal you're aiming for? So what I'm aiming for is to stretch myself this year and I think Mar Marcello is tagging me in because he's being supportive of me in that. Oh, I love it, amazing. Team players. Um, I suppose the next question on top of that then is um, in terms of like recruitment, when you're onboarding people into your team, you want to make sure that they culturally fit within Sky and can be quite difficult in a large, large business. Um, and I suppose what sort of mindset qualities are you looking for within people um and um i mean male or female we all have a mindset and that's that's you know what you what you're looking for within that yeah so we uh in sky we have five core values that we believe in so those are things that we uh, aim to recruit against but also uh form part of our development plans so we continually check in and kind of push people on that um, but beyond that, for, for me personally, I would say curiosity and, and passion and just being open. Like if, if someone isn't, isn't good at something, as long as they can recognize that and be open to developing it, like that, that's all I really care about in someone in my team is someone that's just keen to have a go and curious. Awesome. I don't, I don't need to give a different perspective, Marcello. Yeah. Well, no, no, I think it's uh, the same for me. Like, you know, I need to walk into the door and not feel like, oh my God, I need to deal with that now. You know, you want to, uh, you want to feel you can talk to somebody. And that's one thing that uh, you know, I often chat about, uh, about with uh, Bake is that people are, start, are struggling nowadays to have difficult discussions while they're very important for growth, they're important for innovation, and they're important for collaboration. So mm -hmm. when I interview someone, I put them on the spot, not in a, in a bad way, of course, but I do ask a series of questions that tells me a lot more about what they think about the job, what they, their aspirations are, and a lot less about how much they know about it. You know, I can yeah. train anyone to do what I do, 
but I cannot train people to be curious and be passionate about this field. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. Because sometimes uh, in old style interviews, I've done a lot of interviews in my time, but in old style interviews, they'd ask you about like just base like core competency questions about the role specifically. But realistically, like you say, that's something that can be taught, but you can't teach someone to act like to have a personality basically or you know exactly. have an interest like a team um, that works well together we always outperform a team of geniuses that can collaborate yes 100% Christine do you want to do you want to ask any questions I feel like I've been talking yeah. for ages sorry guys me and Marcelo discussed some questions and they were basically around so first of all I don't think anybody touched upon the fact that you also talk about like neuroscience behavior and then you have a like unique kind of look into that discipline as well as maths as well and i just want to ask you how do you think that helps you with your job because i don't think many people have exposure to both of those disciplines combined in terms of like data yeah yes give me your becky sorry you okay cool uh well it's very important because uh, if you understand how a brain works and what triggers it and at a chemical level, you can also understand how to make certain behaviors happen. And if you look at experimentation, is uh, roughly split, really roughly split into parts. Reactive, which is what most people know as optimization, which you know uses behavior in a certain way on a website. We see a, a drop-off in a certain point of the funnel and we run experiments to improve that. But there's also the proactive part, which is completely different. It's about studying, it's about um, competitor analysis, it's about uh, I'm building now a, a bias map of Sky, Sky the website, where I identify for each component which biases are applied to it. And then that help us understand which is the most frictionless way to build our journeys and to slowly experiment towards it to demonstrate that you know, the studies and the science we bring forward help us uh, improve customer conversions without even, uh, without really having to uh, stick to what we have right now and potentially even changing, who knows, maybe changing, completely change, changing the way we sell our products. If you look at, uh, uh, the, the, you know, if you think about, you're talking about diversity earlier on, that we are, we are ourselves diverse now to what we were this morning or yesterday. That as Heraclitus uh, uh, 2,000 years ago wrote, uh, um, a man never baths in the same river twice because it's not the same river and also it's not the same man. So you need to keep that in mind when you look at the user, user journey. That's also why as a standard, you should always run your experiment as a minimum of two business cycles. Because Monday me before coffee is completely different than Monday me after coffee. <laughs> so depending on what time I go to your website, I'll behave extremely differently. Oh my god, I love that! Yeah, that's that's Monday me, and then Friday me at four o'clock. <laughs> and then what? What are the common assumptions with, which designers make about gender that could be people you've experienced? If you look at uh, the way we design the websites, you know, quite often you need to keep in mind that there was I can't remember the name. I think his name, I worked with this guy years ago. He was uh, head of design at HSBC. He's now at Lloyd's. Um, can't remember his first name, unfortunately. He's a brilliant guy. But he says something very important. He's like, the way you build a, 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 a website needs to match the streets that people walk in. 
So in Asia, lights everywhere, chaos, you want the website to reflect that because that's what they used to. And the same in the UK, it's everything very plain and very um, monochrome almost. You go to uh, Italy, it's chaos again, lots of noises, lots of things, people talking to you, lots of different windows, but not as uh, bright and flashy as in Asia. So you need to keep those things in mind when you work uh, on your website. And if you think about the differences between the way um, I analyze products or uh, bake analyze products, we have different needs. And she was making the example of uh, um, testosterone and uh, um, estrogen. So it's right. That was the one, right? And um, it's the same when you look at the website. The, chem the chemistry that goes through your bloodstream when you look at a product and you want to buy, it's completely different between me and her because we have different needs, we have different backgrounds also. You know, it's like, if you look at like me and Carlos, he's from Costa Rica, I'm from Italy. If you had a British guy in here, we had nothing in common. I'm sure we can find stuff we can chat about, but we are completely different lives. So, so even- Optimize it so it's very much a static page and we didn't know how to improve it without running tests. Um, I spent, quite a long time problem solving why it was not possible. So it was a, a technical problem. There was some spaghetti that was built behind the scenes that we needed to fix. And the reason it hadn't been fixed is because it wasn't seen as a priority from the business. So it was about how do we, how do we um, get buy-in for investing time fixing it? So that was about translating it into commercial value. So I am currently limited by this tech thing and I cannot improve conversion and sales without it. That's why you need to help. So that, that resolved that. Um, and then it was around um, us employing an incredibly capable person known as Martello to help me plug in experimenting on it. And we're about to launch our first ever test on the deals page, probably on Monday. Um, and this is super important for us because as a business, we're moving more towards internet products. Um, and historically we've always put Basic IQ um, and the business have asked us, um, should we still be selling SkyQ on our website or not? So I wow. sort of de-risk that by just by avoiding removing it and putting it in as a test. So uh, we will we will shortly be testing whether we keep it on the website or not through an experiment, and then we can actually make an informed decision on it. Amazing. That's, that's, that's awesome. Definitely. Very good. It sounds similar to what, what I what we did at my previous company for in, in regards to A B testing. Um what sort of what what specific data sets do you look at? Like data points do you look at when you decide whether it's viable or not? When you have the test results, what what actual data sets do you look at? So I know that there's vanity data and then there's one the the, the other data that potentially is useful for understanding whether it's a valid idea. Do you get what I mean? You mean in terms of um, setting up the tests and working out whether it's valuable or not? Yeah, so I suppose at the beginning of the test, you you just you decide what measurables you want. And then from those measurables, you understand if it's a successful test. So um, what are your, your key measurables? I suppose they change, but in an example. So for this specific example, Q, Q versus not Q, um, in our world, I think for me, um, the success metric is that our general TV sales aren't impacted by me removing the option to buy Q. 
So would people migrate from a product that's well known in the market into a new product? Um, that, that for me is the, the main metric as it were. So, you know, say, say I'm going to make up numbers now, say we sold 10,000 through the deals page across all TV products right now, and we've got our new product stream and we've got Q on that page. If I were to remove Q, would I still sell 10,000? And would that 5,000 move across to stream? Or do I lose the, the 5,000 and actually I've cut sales in half by removing all of our products? Um, so for me, in this specific example, that's that's the thing I care about. But I know Marcello will have a wealth of other things he'd be interested in. <laughs> yeah, go go ahead, Marcello. Let us know what your thoughts are. Sure. For uh, Well, it really depends on... Uh each experiment at the end. For this specific one, you know, as, as Becky said, we're going to look at overall orders, but we also want to see around uh, value, like the um, uh, cost and uh, the net value of uh, the orders, because that changes. You can imagine when the SkyQ, you need to get a satellite dish, you need mm -hmm. to get other stuff installed. There's a lot more of a, a hard decision for the user to make before purchasing. Well, stream is a, a box. You get it at home, you plug it to the TV, done. You don't need anybody to come and sort it out for you. <laughs> you know, it's, um, but also means that there's a less of a, you need to think less about it before purchasing it, which yeah. can be good and can also be bad yeah. because that also means that you need to think less about it if you want to just change it or, or go for something else. Yeah. Definitely. So it's a double-edged sword, sword. You know, it's... <laughs> uh, for that specific test, you know, Becky's score was uh, the right one. You need to know what's going to happen. And, and I always say, like, for everything, every component on the website, we need to know what's the best use of it, what's the formula behind it. Uh, but you know, it's not easy. It's, easy. it's easier said than done, to be honest. But yeah. that's the vision of where we're going to get to sooner or later. Amazing. I suppose there's quite that's awesome. yeah i think there's quite a bit of logistics involved with you know um setting up a dish and all that so i think it is a bit of a large commitment and probably more of a difficult sell um yeah oh that's super interesting i'm not gonna lie um sorry about the um the, the charger incident i just ran across the office like a lean um but can I just ask you, I promised Becky and Marcelo that we're going to keep it to 45 minutes, so I don't know if they have other meetings or somewhere else to be. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So should we round no, it up? No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. No, it's all right. Okay. <laughs> Still got time. I have a, a doctor's appointment to go to, so <laughs> I will love you all and leave you to wrap this up. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining, and it was a pleasure to meet you and find out more about you, and um, I will leave it to Emily to edit and tell you when she will publish it, and... Uh, us will touch base later yeah, yeah. and i'm just going to round you. off the round off the podcast really quickly so just hold, <laughs> hold, hold the fort um thank you for listening to pranusi and co um i hope you enjoyed this episode a super interesting episode um really enjoyed it and you can find this podcast on spotify and apple podcasts and uh please stay tuned for our next episode thank you yeah